0: Good morning. I want to welcome you. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors and we're glad that you could join with us before get into the message. Just a a couple announcements I want to share with you. We've been celebrating uh, in May. We've been celebrating several things, Uh, college graduation, confirmands last week, uh, graduates this week. Uh, with that, I, I, I just hope you recognize um, what a blessing it is to have all these kids as a part of our church. I can tell you that all over uh, the nation, there are churches just wishing uh, they had a kid to celebrate their, their uh, graduation. In. And so, uh, don't take that for granted. Along with that, uh, Matt Ratliff, who uh, was here uh, before and went off to seminary, he worked in with the choir and went off to seminary. He has graduated from seminary this year, and will be—he'll uh, be commissioned uh, in ministry. That's the step you take now. He'll be commissioned in ministry, and his first church is Lafaria, Texas. Uh, down in the Rio Grande Valley. So uh, we celebrate. Yeah, he's down in my old stomping grounds there. So, um, but we are, we are uh, happy for him. Uh, Also, uh, a schedule change that's going to happen doesn't really affect uh, this group, but just want you to be aware. Beginning the first week of June, the 1130 service will drop off of our our schedule. A year and a half ago, we decided to to do that, stay with it for a year. We wanted to build a young adult uh, worship experience and that kind of thing. And we've, we've had a great success in that and set seeds for that. But we are ready to take the next step in that. So we're going to drop that 1130 service. But in the meantime, uh, Spencer Thomas, who uh, you saw a, a couple of weeks ago with the college kids, Spencer just finished his licensing program, his uh, licensing for ministry program yesterday. And the first uh, week of July, he'll be appointed here as an associate pastor. Uh, That's, uh, yeah. And so next fall, we'll add a four-service, but it's going to be an off-campus service aimed at uh, young adults, and Spencer will be in charge of that. And then along with that, Monica, who continues on our staff, and she's in the ordination process as well, uh, in the fall, she'll be uh, beginning a worship community uh, experience for the folks that we deal with out at Light on the Hill. So we're excited about that and uh, keep all of that in prayer. But starting the 1st of July, uh, that we will have three services again, 830, 930, Ten thirty. All right. Well, we have been in a series called uh, "He Is Risen Indeed," and in that we have been trying to take a deep dive into this uh, foundational uh, understanding of who we are as uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, why are our, our uh, why our beliefs? Why our our lives are different from other religions? And and this this doctrine of of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is alive and active in our world, is foundational for us. And and too often we just sort of hit the highlights. Oh yeah, he died and then he's risen and yay, everything was great from that. But we, over these weeks, we have been trying to, to show you uh, just the complexity of what happened. And and as we wrap it up this morning, I just want to sort of remind you of our journey. A lot of what I've been trying to do is give you permission that if you have ever had problems uh, believing uh, Scripture, believing in the resurrection, believing in the tenets of the Christian faith, of 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 heaven, of eternal life, of answering, of prayer, if any of that ever sort of well, welcome to the club. You are in good company. Too many times we we try to sort of say, hey, don't ask questions, just believe. Don't don't question it, just go with it, right? And in that, we don't give room for a real life experience. And as we've been going through these stories, what we have been reminded of, let me just set the stage for you. From, from the crucifixion Friday the silence on Saturday to the morning of the resurrection, there are, there are some things you'll find in that. You'll find uh, some folks that are depressed. You'll find people that are scared. You'll find people that are disillusioned and, and broken.
1: What you won't find is a single Christian. They didn't exist. What you won't find is a single believer
0: in the resurrection. They didn't exist. As we have stated, no one was there waiting for him to come out of the tomb. The Marys were on their way to deal with the body because the body had been put away hastily on Friday evening and they were going to take care of it on Sunday morning, not because they thought he'd be gone, but because they thought a dead body stays dead and they'd find a dead body. Nobody expected no body. That's cute, isn't it? (laughs)
1: I stole that from Andy Stanley, but that's all right. <laughs> there was no believers. There was no Bible to read that tells you that there was a resurrection.
0: The Bible wouldn't come till later. The name Christian wouldn't come till later. In the midst of the picture of, of Christ's
1: death and the prospect of him being risen, no one, no one, believe no one it's okay if you struggle it's okay if you if if that's something that you wrestle
0: with it's okay if you can't chew off the whole thing and you can just nibble on the corners right now it's okay
1: it's been the story of new testament faith from the beginning but eventually those folks that were his friends those folks that had the hope that He was the Messiah,
0: eventually they turned from their doubt into discipleship
1: because they experienced the risen Lord. They got to see Him. They got to talk with Him. They got to eat with
0: Him. They got to touch His wounds, put their hand in His side. They got to to see that this this idea of resurrection wasn't just something they were being asked to believe. It's something that actually happened. It's a historic event that actually took place. Their belief didn't come from reading Scripture. Their belief didn't come from the teachings of Jesus. They ignored They missed that whole idea
1: of of Jesus' teaching. And for a lot of Jesus' teaching, they didn't get it. And why would they?
0: I mean, think about it. Jesus' teaching was not widely accepted. We don't
1: have a Christian faith because of Jesus' teaching, because His teaching is too hard. Love your enemies. What? If somebody slaps you on the right cheek, offer them the left. What? Over and over. It, it It's not about...
0: A religious understanding, it's not about a belief stand. It's about a person and what he did is what our faith is about. And so as, as this starts to take root and we move from the Gospels into the book of Acts of the Apostles, where the new church is born and these folks that had followed him met, where he told them to meet, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. And those who had been hiding out of fear have this new confidence in the risen Lord, this new power that he's given them to accomplish the mission he has for them. And they begin to meet and they build this movement, which at that time was called the way it wasn't Christianity. Christianity didn't come for years later. And initially, it was actually an insulting uh, title. Oh, look at the little Christian, the little the little Christ running around. Uh, they meant it as an insult. It stuck because, really, that's what we're trying to do—be little Christ in the world. But before that, it was called the Way. The whole reason Jesus died in the first place had a lot to do with the the anger and hatred from the religious uh, leaders of of the Jewish nation, they hated everything he stood for. They didn't like his teaching. It took power away from them. It took attention away from them. He used them all the time as bad examples. He was dangerous. This, This whole idea that he was presenting that anyone could be friends with God, are you kidding me? We've spent our lives with the idea that any good believer has that God hates people that aren't like me.
1: Because isn't that what good religion is all about? Just an assurance that my version of God is the best.
0: And there's no room and no openness for anything else. Well, even as the church begins to grow, this opposition remains. The church is gaining power. More and more people are coming to faith in this risen Lord. There's a new energy and a new thing happening, but the same old opposition is going on. The the leaders of the Jewish religious
1: empire are still trying to put them down. There's a person in particular named Saul,
0: and I'll jump to the to the the, the name change right away. Saul becomes Paul, who we know as the author of the majority of letters in our New Testament, who was also the 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 most powerful missionary the church has ever known. But before Saul became Paul, he was Saul who was a Pharisee and not just any Pharisee, but a zealous Pharisee who who was a fanatic in his belief, who had spent his life studying the law of Moses. That's the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, had that by memory. Go read that this afternoon. See how easy that would be to commit to memory. This isn't just the guy who casually had a religious thought. This is someone who was zealous in his understanding of God. And like so many religious people, in his zealousness was sure that his version and the version of his buddies of Jesus was the version of, of God, and there's no way it could change or do anything outside of their understanding. And so they were still at work to crush this new movement. As it got started, the opposition began to grow. The tipping point was the martyrdom of Stephen. As they as he refused to recant his belief and as he refused to step down from saying that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was God, he was stoned to death
1: because of that. And Saul was in the crowd watching and giving his approval. Saul couldn't see what had happened. His religious fanaticism
0: didn't allow him to see The thing that God was doing around him,
1: his hatred, his ego, his self-assurance, his own self-righteousness
0: got in the way of seeing that actually everything had changed with Jesus. The gates of heaven had been opened. It was available to anyone and everyone that would call on his name. Death had been conquered, sin had been conquered. everything had
1: changed, but Saul couldn't see it because he was blind with his his form of religion. We're going to take a look at
0: the Saul's story a little bit and make some comments about that. I'm going to be in Acts chapter
1: nine. begin verse one Meanwhile, Saul. Was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's follower. That's usually what you look for in a missionary, right? I mean, I, I I I pause here because I want it to sink in. So many
0: times, the 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 audacity of the scriptures, the audacity of the New Testament story. We skim over it because it's too familiar to,
1: and we jump right to it. But no. Oh. Saul was a murderous uh, religious fanatic that that was
0: doing his best to stamp it out. We talk about being willing to die for your faith. Well, Saul took it a step further. He was willing to kill others for his belief.
1: Dangerous, dangerous religion. Still present in today's world. We haven't learned much.
0: Still present where we're our version of what we believe we're going to hold to it no matter what and we know god won't and he can't and we wouldn't and, and
1: how many times do we end up like Saul that even though the world has changed we can't we can't see it, so he we went to the high priest,
0: he requested letters addressed to the synagogues, requests uh, in Damascus asking for their cooperation in their arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chain. So as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Then the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself, picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So, the the in the circles of uh, of affinity towards the message of Jesus, doubt is is creeping out. Discipleship and following is creeping in. But in regard to the enemy, the opposition is only getting worse. And Saul is sort of taking the lead on it. Hey, give me give me permission to just go get these folks. I'll, I'll, we'll put a stop to this. If if the killing of Jesus didn't work, then we'll we'll go after his followers. We're going to cut the head off this snake before it has any more uh, anywhere else to go. It, we always find it fascinating this side of, of of the story, how the religious leaders miss Jesus. But folks, I got to tell you, nothing has changed. The the hardest place to convince people of the movement of God is the church oftentimes. That we are so set in our ways and so set in our understanding of who God is and how he does and what he doesn't do that we can't
1: see him even when he's right in the midst of our face. I've called this, uh, the future's bright, but the pathway is unclear. And here's what I mean in that.
0: With the death of Jesus, with the resurrection of Jesus, everything had changed. It was a thing that God had planned even before he put the world together it was It was his redemption plan for the creation of a being with a will and a choice that was going to be necessary in order for him to have companionship with ones that He created out of love but fell away because
1: of their inequity and their their brokenness. At the death of Jesus, sin is paid for. Death is conquered. The th- three days
0: he, he he spent in the tomb and tradition has it that He descended into hell and there conquered the evil one so that we don't die as His victim. And then is raised to life and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. We believe that everything changed there. That be a that doesn't serve it can have a relationship with a holy God. Jesus took the distance between humanity and, and, and God and shrunk it to the size
1: of faith in a man named Jesus, the Son of God. Everything had changed. Nothing was was
0: ever going to be the same. The future is bright. There is no there. There, ultimately, everything is going to be done according to God's will. There's nothing standing in the way. Nothing for me or you. Our
1: faith in Christ gives us eternal hope. Because he was blinded by his ego and his religious. To him all all that he saw change was the devoutness towards his strain of religion, of which he wanted to fight tooth and nail to make sure his version won. I also in naming it that was thinking of the graduate. I knew we were
0: celebrating uh, uh, graduation this morning. And so in doing it, you know, the future is bright. As you look at these kids and, and saw them on the video and they come up here, I mean, it, it makes me sick because they all have all this bling hanging off their robe. I was telling Ashley Zirkel in the first service, I was like, what's all the things? And well, that's, and I was like, I barely got a robe when I got out of high school. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, honor roll, what's that? I, 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 I think I was one one absence away from not graduating from skipping. So th- I don't understand that world, but you you hear their plans, you hear you see their talent and 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 the way that God has blessed them. And their future is bright. Right? Despite all the things they've had to go through. Think about it. This the, these kids have grown up in the shadow of 9/11. They 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 have as Monica mentioned, they've dealt with the pandemic and their freshman year. Uh, the world changed. Uh, they continue to be a part of a world swirling with violence and unsurety and and all of that. And so as, as much as the future is
1: bright, I got to know just because you're human that there's still some nervousness about where you're going, right? What's going to happen? Is my roommate going to be a loser? Maybe, but you may be the loser roommate, right? <laughs> am I gonna am I gonna be able to
0: do as good in college as I did in high school? Am I gonna miss my family? And even beyond college, what am I gonna meet the one that I want to spend my life? With? I mean, there's all sorts of unsureness. And parents, same thing. We all hope for our kids, and as they take that next step into the world. We all hope that, but we also know as we're sending our kids out, we've experienced life enough to know that life kicks you in the teeth every once in a while. And so while we hope the best for their future, we also know that they're going to take some hard knocks along the way. And so we're unsure in that. I think, that's, I think that's sort of the picture of where we are in our life with Christ, high expectations in the midst of a world that isn't.
1: Can we still hope, even though we don't know the whole way of the pathway? I think the answer is yeah. See, with Saul, he didn't know he was blind until God showed him what blindness
0: was. It says that as he was walking along the road, a light so bright that it nailed him to the ground, that the presence of God, the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ in the risen Lord was so that just his, the eminence of His being knocked Paul to the ground, and then said,
1: "What are you? Why are you? What are you doing? Who do you think you're dealing with?" And then Saul gets off the ground and can't see.
0: He'd always been he'd been blind for a long time, but now he was experiencing the results of his blindness. The fact of everything he was missing was now front and center for him. And he's sent to Damascus to wait for three days. If you read along in the story, if you want to read that later on today or whatever, read along in the story. God sends Barnabas to him, who goes and tells him about God. And as Saul begins to accept this, it says the scales fell from his eyes, literally the thing obscuring his vision. And for Saul, I think it had more to do with mental. The the ego, the self-righteousness, the inability to think outside his box,
1: the scale fell from his eyes. And murderous, hateful, zealous Saul
0: becomes Paul, who spends the rest of his life not trying to stamp out Christianity,
1: but taking it to the ends of the world. We know Jesus because of the work of Paul. The light of Christ changes everything. The future is bright for all of us. And I need to remind us of that.
0: In the midst of war, in the midst of an economy gone haywire and recession right around the corner and, and no end to the, the challenges in our, in, our, in our nation and around the world,
1: God's got a plan. And He's working it all around us, even in the midst of these horrible circumstances. And, and and
0: sometimes because of our own egos and because of our own stubbornness, we can't see Him. But when we do, it changes everything. I've been talking about doubt and, and, and giving you permission. It's okay to doubt because we don't get to see Jesus. And, and we, you, you can't really have physical proof. But here's the deal when you've been influenced by the light and the light shines in within the darkness within your own soul and the scales fall off, even though there's still a veil between heaven and earth, the veil gets really thin and all of a sudden you'll start seeing Jesus in places
1: you never thought you would before. Oh God, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to follow for the risen Lord. This doctrine is this this is the basis of our faith, but
0: I don't believe in the resurrection because of the Bible. The Bible didn't exist when the
1: resurrection happened. I don't believe in it because of of uh, the, it, it's part of the Methodist theology. I believe in it because God did something that changed everything for you and for me will not you bow with me? Let's pray. As we have struggled with this story
0: and been reminded just how hard it was to swallow, even for your friends that knew you so
1: well, we once again just want to give you thanks for your kindness and your mercy and your grace to us. And God, we know we, uh,
0: we, know we have blurred vision in many ways. We know that our own ideas, our own egos, our own stubbornness, our own history, our own tradition get in the way so many
1: times that we can't see what you're doing even when it's happening all around. So this morning, God, we give you permission. Pin us to the ground with holiness. Let your light shine so brightly that we could become blind to the things around us. And our hope is all about you. May we live as followers of Jesus. One crucified, dead, and buried, but more importantly, one risen from the dead, who lives and reigns forever. Amen. Amen and amen we please stand as. We-